Thanks for joining us again, Jared. I we got a stre- uh, screener the other day. I mean, it took us a while to actually get our hands on it, mm. but it is for the upcoming Shutter exclusive Christmas Bloody Christmas, which yeah. I believe comes out in the coming days. It does. Friday the ninth, our time, I believe. And that's what we'll cover today. Before we get to that, though, Jared, what have you been watching since we last recorded? Oh, I can't even remember what I was watching when we last recorded, but I've got a few things. Uh, got a few things lined up. First thing I got to was uh, on your recommendation, Adam. I raced home to watch Killer Sally. After all the talk of oh, wrestling, yeah. wrestling people and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite a good, quite a good doco. But I, I agree with you. I think it was a, a classic case of. The two of them together just seem to be like pouring petrol on on a on a fire, basically. Like it was uh, a couple of people with a lot of issues, but it was interesting that they, you know, they had a chat directly to the person involved, and they tried to present both sides of it. I thought it was a reasonably entertaining bit of work. What did you think? Do you think that uh, she the? Do you think she? Kind of, she did kill him. Well, without, actually, so my feeling you know, provocation was, or what? My feeling was that the night didn't particularly go down the way she said it, but all in all, it was essentially what she was saying that he fucking drove her to to that point. I believe she was being hit. I don't think that was really in doubt, especially when you hear the kids talking. They they seem to be pretty lined up on their stories and yeah, I think as you said the the guy that was prosecuting her laid it out as to why it, it didn't really happen the way that she said on the night and that perhaps she did go back and mm. get another bullet loaded in that probably killed him when the first one may not have but I think rather than just saying it was just this one night I think it was just accumulation. So yeah, but it was interesting. It was a, it was a as I said, as those true crime ones go, it was certainly something a little different. I went ahead and watched Willow, knowing that the the series is has actually come out now. I had a look at that just to refresh things a little. It was good fun. Like I'd I'd watched it a lot when I was a kid, but I reckon it had been a good. I would say it was it's nearly twenty years plus since I'd seen it. Which was which was strange, considering it was something that I did look upon fondly for a while. I do I do know, like having looked into it a little bit since, that there was reasons for that, like the fact that it wasn't available on on DVD and, and Blu-ray for a long time and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it was good fun. It's it's you know nothing new. Everything that it does has been done somewhere else. But it's I mean Val Val Kilmer at his peak. As we've spoken about before, Warwick Davis, I mean, it's good to see him in a role other than a leprechaun movie because the guy is a, a reasonably good actor. So, um, yeah, it was good fun. I watched the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Or the holiday okay. special, sorry. Yeah, really, really good. I liked it a lot. It leaned more towards the comedy and, and put uh, Batista in a lead role. I'm going to say it again, Adam. Batista, better actor than The Rock. If we're going, if we're talking about shades and colours and all round, he can do more. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, I believe he's in Knives Out, the sequel to Knives Out as well. Mm. 
So, you know, the, the bloke is putting together a very tidy little resume. Yeah, a tidy little resume. And there's always, you know, he, he gets himself in enough quality work that there's always time to jump into a stuber and then nobody's going to hold <laughs> hold that against you. <laughs> um, so, correct, correct. You know, people will say, oh, well, you know, he did stuber, but then, you know, sandwiched in between a couple of good things. Everyone needs to pay the bills occasionally, so... But yeah, Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon, obviously in there as well. Good value. So yeah, I enjoyed that. I would, I would say check it out. Mm-hmm. Watched one of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid things with the with the kids. Not much to mention there. Just you know something something that snuck in between my usual genre fair and whatnot. Well, you don't need to apologise, Jared. I've seen all of those. <laughs> well, these are the new ones that are actually animated like the oh. books. So I haven't got, seen those ones. I think I think they sort of uh, it's better that way because the books are so distinctive in their style that it's hard to translate it to real people. Yeah. But you still got to you still got to try to get a bit more comedy in there and whatnot. But anyway, uh, I watched In Search of the Last Action Heroes, which was the doco on Tubi about the you know the action movies of the eighties and nineties. Really cool. They spoke to a lot of people. They spoke to people that we've been talking about not so long ago. Peter McDonald showed up and spoke about a couple of things, actually. But, uh, you know, they spoke to... God. What was his name, the producer of that? Uh, Cassa? Was it Mario Cassa? Oh, Mario Cassa, yeah. yeah. Shane Black was in it. Scott Adkins was in it. Yeah, they spoke to a lot of people, and it was really cool. They started to sort of go bit by bit on each movie. If you watched In Search of Darkness... It was the same sort of format where they mm. talk broadly, but then they go to each picture and spend a couple of minutes, which was really cool. Oh, that's cool. So I would I would recommend it. I think it went for about two hours. Not not a whole lot of new information, but you did learn a few bits and pieces. There was a, there was a couple of mentions about why Russell Mulcahy got the flick from Rambo and whatnot. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would we know why that was happening. Yeah, would definitely recommend it. And on the back of that, Adam, I put together a list of things that. You know, I wanted to wanted to go back and check out or or touch on that I hadn't hadn't seen before, and I don't know why, but the first one that I I touched on was uh, Lady Dragon, Cynthia Rothrock. Shit! I had a look at that. I wouldn't say it's a great picture, but uh, Rothrock doesn't really miss the brief when it comes to you know. There's always fights. There's always her getting into that. The, the the martial arts kind of aspect of it, and I think I don't believe this was well. Pretty sure it wasn't one of the the sort of Hong Kong era movies, but it's obviously kind of heavily sort of influenced by that. So I mean, some of the acting and the story yeah. and whatnot are, are subpar, but when the fights are there, she's pretty good. So I wouldn't say rush out and check it out, but it's it's what you it's what you expect. A person like her knew exactly where her bread was buttered, you know. She was making C-grade pictures, but she had a following because of her martial arts skills. Yeah, exactly. And like a Scott Adkins, I mean, he's a better actor than her, but what I'm saying is a Scott Adkins knows that this is where he he makes his his money. People want to see him kick the shit out of people. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about these guys so often, but we never mentioned... Richard Norton, who's actually Australian, <laughs> who seemed to do oh really, he seemed to do a bit of work with Cynthia Rothrock and was a highly accomplished martial artist as well. I believe he still does stunt work. He does uh, or, or stunt coordinating for like um, the Suicide Squad movies and, and Mad Max and shit like that. So 
but yeah, when he rolls in and hears the Australian accent, I thought, oh shit. <laughs> like he's one of those guys you're sort of passingly familiar with if you've watched enough of these movies, but not the sort of guy that you would have, well, me personally, that, you know, you, you dig into because he didn't quite reach that level. Mm. But if you watch enough Cynthia Rothrock movies, I guess you're more than passingly familiar with him. <laughs> he's an old, he's an old of friend. Course, of course. He's an, he's um, an old stager if you've seen the Rothrock collection. Yeah. Yeah. So... The last one I watched, Adam, and I got to say, it was it was a very it was a big disappointment. I watched the movie version of My Best Friend's Exorcism, um, which is the Grady Hendrix oh, novel. Oh yeah, yeah. It was on. It's on Amazon. Um, it, came, it came out oh, around Halloween time, and I actually had just been listening to the audio book, so it was fresh for comparison. I, I got to say, I was really disappointed. I mean, the book's really cool, and there's there's parts of it that that go to the screen well, but there's just too much missing. They just uh, they, they just kind of miss out on all the relationships and everything like that. They put these things together that haven't got the bones. Like they skip some of the, the early work, so there's no bones around what's going There's There's no meat around what's going on. Sorry, it's just kind of the bones, and it, it kind of asks you to go into these situations without having spent any time with the characters and it just doesn't really work. And what's her name? Elsie Fisher, right. who I have seen in other stuff and think is a pretty good actress. I think I don't know whether it was just miscast or what, but I thought she was pretty average. And I think the, the relationship with her and the other girl, they're supposed to be the two main, the, the, the two leads, the best friends that they're talking about. Just, just didn't work at all for me. So I was, I was, I was very disappointed because I just, you know, just wrapped up. Basically, the day I wrapped up the audio book, I jumped into the movie that night. I've got a copy of the book, but I, I saw it showed up on Audible, so I kind of went through that way as well. And so right. I was pumped, and it was just, yeah, big letdown, unfortunately. Mm, okay, that's disappointing. It is. It is. I mean, it's enjoyable enough, but so that's but everything. Yeah, that's everything. All right. I um, went to the, the cinema, Jared, and saw um, Ticket to Paradise. Mm. I know this isn't the usual fare, <laughs> but... Uh, Worth mentioning. I mean, it's, it a, was, it's probably as close as uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid is, so... Yeah, it was pretty average. The, the stars are great together, but it's just not funny. That's always the death knell, isn't it? It feels a little bit like George Clooney's just not willing to chug a beer through his asshole or something like that, you know, like you want Yeah, come like, on, George. You know, like, he's too classy for that kind of stuff. Stop Whereas it. I Stop felt this so, could have done with a bit so of raw stuffy about it, George. Just get the fucking beer bong out and go for it. <laughs> and look, don't get me wrong, I know that it's kind of, you know, a little bit higher end, but it just it just wasn't funny. Yeah, so right. when when it actually comes down to it, the, the two stars are really really good together and they've got chemistry, but it just that, there's not enough laughs. Yeah. So that was disappointing. I punched through the Pepsi Where's My Jet oh, series yeah. on Netflix. Yes. About that bloke who decided he'd have a dip at seven million Pepsi points to get a Harrier jet. Yes. It started off highly amusing, you know, the way they kind of found these little loopholes to get it get it in there. 
But by the end of it, I was just kind of like, this went from being like an amusing little 90 minutes, but it's fucking four hours long. Yeah, right. And I'm like, it's just, it's just not enough there. Is it fair to say, at this point, that's a pretty standard, uh, that's something that's happened to a few of these Netflix things that would have been really pretty solid if they were an hour 20, but they're caught up in this, in this viewer hours model? Yeah, I, I would suggest that's correct. I mean, sort of, I watch a lot of the true crime stuff and, yeah. and that, and they are all have been kind of caught out with a bit of bloat. Yeah, because sort of like I've been listening to a lot about and reading a bit about, you know, where Netflix and Disney Plus and all the other streamers and whatever are, like what they're at at the moment. And they're, they're kind of saying they've hit, this, they've hit this scale that it's not reasonable to continue to aim for this many million new subscribers. They're sort of like saying they're in the places that they're in. They've hit the sort of scale that they should be at. So now... It's all about so they can kind of say, "Oh, look, we've debuted this show, and it's been, it's you know, there's this many hours that people have been watching it, and it feels like to me that every time they put out one of these docos, that it goes for fucking, as you said, four or five episodes when it could be wrapped up in in a neat two or two two and a half hour single viewing. Correct, like no doubt. Because one of the other ones I've been I watched as well was Crime Scene, the Texas Killing Fields. Yes, I heard a little bit about that. So obviously, there's I've got a series of these Crime Scene ones. The first one was the um, that Scummy Hotel. I can't remember what it was yeah, called. Yeah, the Cecil now. Hotel. Um, where you the Cecil uh, Hotel, <laughs> where you uh, jump online and book the first hotel, and then you get on a doco talking about, oh well, fuck, we didn't expect it to be like this. <laughs> Yeah, oh, the floor was fucking sticky, <laughs> and it was rated one and a half. Yeah, mate, like, what the, the Cecil, fuck do you think you walked into? At the Cecil, that's the least of your problems. Like, if the floor's sticky and that's all that goes <laughs> wrong, know. you should be pretty fucking happy with that. If there's not a corpse in there, you've fucking done well. <laughs> <laughs> but the second one was about the uh, the Times Square killer. Which was actually quite interesting because I didn't know anything about that one. Mm. And so that, that actually had a bit of interest. And I didn't know anything. Of, I'd heard some rumblings about this stuff, but not much. Yeah. And look, it was three episodes, so I didn't overstay its welcome. But for me, and this is one of the things that I found... that I don't particularly like about some of this stuff is we had a couple of suspects thrown up, right, about some of these murders that were unsolved. Mm. I, find, I found it very hard to swallow that we spent, we got to the end and we basically said we've got these people who's, you know, the, the families who, who's, whose daughters are, were killed saying that this guy definitely did it, right? This, this One of these suspects definitely did it. Mm. But especially one of them had spent years harassing another suspect prior who then killed himself. 
Hmm. So, so basically, you didn't think it was this guy at all. Yeah, right. You thought it was the other bloke. Yeah. And as soon as this guy commits suicide, and there's no way way any further to to clarify whether he did it, you jump off. Mm. So it must be this bloke over here. I don't get that, Jared. I, I, no. I find that a bit strange. Yeah, a little bit. So it kind of it, it, it gave me a, a little bit of a, a bad taste in the mouth. Look, I'm not going to lie. The guy who, who's, who, who they are looking at, look, you know, things don't look real flash. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, yeah, wasn't there? Um, so so you know, I, I read something in there that it was tied into a location where there was actually like different people that were. Now I, I'm not sure. Like I haven't seen which which ones the the doco is talking about, but I know there are a series amongst what they call the Texas Killing Fields, where some bloke has a guy who was in prison for something else confessed to a series of them. But then yeah. there's all these other ones. There's it basically from from the period yeah. from like the 1960s all the way through the 2000s. There's been like a, a series yeah. of where they think multiple serial killers were putting bodies in this area and working operating around that area. So I'm assuming this is part of that kind of group. Yes, and it does touch briefly on the fact that there's a ton. There's a heap of them through that period that you just mentioned, but it sort of zeroes in on two specific sets. Yeah, right. One set kind of has been solved, mm-hmm. and then one set is unsolved. Yep. And look, it was it was pretty well done. It's another one by um, Joe Berlinger. Oh, yeah, right. Who's done a heap of those ones, like Paradise yeah, Lost Paradise and stuff Lost. like that. And yep. I think it's they were executive produced by Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. Yeah, okay. So, you know, they're very well made. Yep. This one was better than, probably better than Cecil Hotel. Yeah. Because Cecil Hotel boiled my blood, you know, with the kind of fucking bullshit by these online sleuths who know fuck all, basically. Yeah. Well, I think Cecil Hotel just highlighted the danger of all that that sort of stuff. Like, people look at it as a pastime, but when you get into the, the, get into the weeds and you get into the people who are, like, fully dedicate their bloody life to it, sometimes that can go a little bit wrong if they're off track. Correct. And they were in the Cecil Hotel, so it was interesting from that respect, but I also found it kind of a, a the case is interesting for about an hour. Mm. But then it's like, well, what else, what else are we getting here? Yeah, so right. this one was better than that because there's a lot more ground to cover. Mm-hmm. Worth a look, I would say. Yeah, okay. And the last one for me, Jared, I stumbled across one. Me and the wife were looking for something to watch, and we stumbled across something called This Is Pop. Yeah, which yeah. Which is on Netflix. I have come across it, but I never pressed play. Well, it's an eight-episode series, and the first episode was about boys to men. Yep. And the rise of the boy band. It was really good because it, it, it focused on boys to men. Their mm. rise, where they are now and how the boy band sort of genre was born out of them and kind of destroyed them too. Yeah. It was really, really interesting. And they talked to everyone from, you know, um, all the, boy, the guys in the band. They talked to Babyface. They talked to all of the people involved in that. 
Baby you know, face. I, I, One of your I, I could not face. believe. On, I googled him. The amount of shit he's been involved in. Oh, it's massive. Like songs. I mean, him, him and Diane Warren are sort of the same sort of thing. They, they, yeah. they had so much influence back in those periods. He's one of those guys who, if you had a sort of passing kind of knowledge of pop music, you might remember, oh, yeah, he had a couple of songs. But the bloke fucking yeah. wrote and produced everything. <laughs> exactly. And I could not believe that End of the Road was number one for 12 weeks, or for 13 weeks, sorry. Yeah. So I broke the record for... Longest at number one. Their fucking next single was um, I'll Make Love to You, which was 14 weeks at number one. <laughs> and then they proceeded to knock out um, One Sweet Day with Mariah Carey mm. that topped the charts for 16 weeks. <laughs> I was like, fuck. These yeah, not a bad run. I mean, yeah, not a bad run. It ended up, they're, I think they've, they're, they're playing in Vegas now. Yeah, yeah. They're still doing touring. Vegas shows. Weren't they, uh, weren't they part of the... Uh didn't they do a bit, get in, get involved with uh, Backstreet Boys and New Kids on the Block for a tour? Yeah, BSB, B2B, fucking <laughs> they were calling themselves a ridiculous acronym they came up with. Those blokes are probably doing pretty damn well for themselves off off a off a run of probably really about five years where they were they were super super yeah. relevant. And they, as you said, they're still playing Vegas. Fuck. That's that's not a bad living. Well, Jared, I said to Kathy, I turned to Kathy and said, if I was in Vegas and someone said to me, boy, some men are on tonight for 80 bucks a ticket, you're fucking damn right <laughs> I'm picking up a ticket. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm straight <laughs> could, back to the room. You couldn't drag get, me away, Jared. Yeah, I'm, you could I'm not drag me away. I'm straight back to the away. room, getting my finest suit on. I'm ready to go. <laughs> like, no, exactly. No, there's no time, no time to stop for dinner. We're going to get straight to the show. <laughs> no, no, we're getting straight to the show, mate. And. It was just interesting. I mean, I I had to laugh. They had Nick Lachey speaking about 98 Degrees yep. and how they'd come about and all that sort of shit and how they were kind of modelled somewhat on Boys to Men. Yeah, yeah. They were basically doing the same thing that Boys to Men were doing. Yep. And it cu- cuts to Lachey looking through some old photos. <laughs> 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 it's a picture of him in a singlet, you know, with the, the, the blonde tips, but it's kind of frosted at the front. Yeah. And he goes, this was yellow, yellow mist or something. <laughs> he, just, he looks at the camera, he looks at the camera and goes, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Good. I was like, Good. at least you can take the piss, mate. Like you can take the piss. You knew it was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean those guys. Uh, 98, 98 degrees never get enough credit for their punny sort of titles, Adam. I, I mean, <laughs> ninety eight degrees and rising, and rising. <laughs> Brilliant. You know what? Those pricks cranked out some albums too. Yeah, this was a thing. That that stuff was was hitting it big, and. And as Babyface mentions, he said that, you know, basically each boy band got bigger and bigger. Yeah. They weren't better than boys to men, but they were perfectly positioned. And, you know, Backstreet Boys sold 100 million albums, you know, in sync. I mean, and you can't, you cannot, you cannot tell me that neither of those bands have what I would call a classic song. Is that fair? 
Well, I guess it depends who you're talking to. Eh? <laughs> I would, well, no, I would know, say no. Across across music, across music, if you're if you're looking at it, end of the road is classic. Yeah, yeah. Is that not fair? Yeah, classic. I what can tell you right that? now, bye 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 is not classic. Well, Adam, I was just about to say I may not put it in classic territory, but if you catch me at the right time and it's sort of, <laughs> you know, it's ten o'clock in the club and I hear bye 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 come on, I may just <laughs> sneak on the dance floor I mean, somewhere. Mate, I'm, not, I'm not shitting on it, Jared. I'm not shitting on it. I'm saying that yes, you get me in a vulnerable moment, and I will tell you, whilst pissed, bye 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 is absolute classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, let's, it's not, you know. Like, look, I'm not. I'm. I'm just going to be honest. If if we if it has to be classified classified as a vulnerable <laughs> moment, we'll probably. I guess eighty percent of my moments are vulnerable moments. If that's what it takes to call bye bye bye, <laughs> a bona fide classic, Adam. <laughs> I mean, if I've had twenty five beers, wait till I get home. My C notes. <laughs> So, I mean, look that up, listeners, because I don't think anyone's going to remember that. What about, um, I reckon, I I would say by about 15, I could be talked into Faded by Soul Decision. Oh, no, you couldn't. (laughs) No. No, no, look, that's where things were starting to, to tail off. Yeah, just a touch. I think. But look, it, it was actually a really good first episode. The second episode, I believe, is about auto-tune. Yeah, right. So I wouldn't mind having a look at that either. But that's it for me. Just a quick one, though, before we go any further. The trailer for the new Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? I did. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yep. Stars Harrison Ford, directed by James Manigal. Mm-hmm. Now, he directed Logan, is that correct? Yes. The trailer was all right. Yeah, it was pretty good. I think the thing that looked pretty good to me was, obviously, again, they didn't show a lot, but they showed what looks to be kind of committing to the action sequences that really kind of changed the game from Raiders. Yeah. Like when you see that there was the bit with the car and someone sort of going between the two cars and and I liked the little nod to the, the whip and the pistol and I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the only downer for me is every time I look at Harrison Ford in one of these properties now, we know the bloke could not give two fucks about being there, but they just have to give him a bag of cash to turn up and just... Do what he can do, so that that still it's that still concerns me a little that the guy doesn't really care about these things. So other than that, yeah, it looked pretty good. Is it a thumbs up? It is a thumbs up because the trailer didn't make me look at anything and go, "Oh shit, I can't believe they're doing this." It gave me exactly what these things are designed to do. It gave me that little buzz of nostalgia and made me fucking think about the times when I was, you know, on the couch with with you blokes and and, and other people when we were fucking five and ten years old watching these movies, you know. It gave me that Mm. warm feeling inside, Adam, that as a a cold stone of a man, I don't get often these days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I got a similar warm feeling, but then I realised I'd wet myself. (laughs) 
So, yeah. Yeah. In my advanced age, similar to Harrison wedding himself on set because <laughs> Harrison's fucking 80, Jared. Yes, I oh know. He's, he's I pushing, mean, I can't. He's pushing the numbers. I, I mean, I, I will be here. I will be here for this film. No yeah, doubt. definitely. I mean, Indiana Jones, this would be, if this is good enough, you know, it'd be a nice way to send Indy out. And we might never see Indy again. Yep. Well, okay. we, look, let's be clear. We'll see Indy again. We, we may not see Harrison Ford as India again. No, I mean we definitely won't. It, it, definitely, there's only there's only so much you can put a stuntman in a rubber mask that will buy. I mean, when he gets <laughs> to the age, it, when he gets to eighty five, we probably won't even buy that anymore. So this is this is it. This has got to be it for him. Oh no doubt, no doubt. And he would have shot this pot a year ago, two years ago. So maybe he was seventy eight. Spry, spring chicken. Oh, spring chicken. <laughs> spring chicken. I mean, you could probably still run a, you could probably still run a hundred meters in thirty seconds at that point, Adam. Oh, yeah. He's still, uh, he's only lost fifty percent of his muscle mass. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to talk to Sly and get on the HGH and all that sort of shit. Oh, definitely. I mean, Sly's what seventy six. Yeah, I think he's about that. I mean, he still looks pretty big. Yeah, you can still somewhat buy Stallone, depending on depending on what they write around it. I think Harrison has also made the right choice. He's jumped to TV just recently, I believe. Yeah, it's one of those Yellowstone spin-offs. Yes. So, which Adam, may I say, I now have access to because I was after saying I was not going to get another streaming service. A Black Friday sale just popped up right in front of my eyes, and I, I snatched up Paramount Plus at a song. A song, absolute but it's got song. Fuck all on it. Yeah, I know. That's why it's a song. I found out after I'd signed up. <laughs> Is that got that's got Tulsa King on it though? It's got Tulsa it's King alone, and it's got the two Yellowstone spin-offs, I believe. Oh, okay, because the original Yellowstone's on um, Stan. Yes, which. I mean, Stan's going to be struggling soon. Now that Paramount is going to want that shit back, surely. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But what I'm saying about Stallone is he still looks like he can handle a little bit of action. Yeah, yeah. You know. And I'm not saying Harrison can't, but I just feel like he looks more... Because Harrison was never like a massive big unit or anything like that. No, he was the charming rogue, mate. It was never about... His physical kind of, you know, that he was a beast of a man or anything like that. Look, he'll still do the the job as Indy. Yes. Right? Yeah. But it gets harder to cop when you know how old they are. Yeah. Something like Tulsa King, if there was a scene in that where Sly's sitting at a bar having a beer and someone gets a little mouthy or something and he, and he snots them, well, you can buy that stuff. You look at him now and you're like, oh, he was in he was in great shape when he was young. He was in Ripping Nick at some point. But, oh, yeah. And he's in, you know, at 76, he's probably in better Nick than I am. <laughs> but he's... he's, <laughs> he's <laughs> Let's face it, Jared. <laughs> he's got less fucking fat around his heart than you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably, I, I can't argue that. But I've got to say, like, in the modern day when we know so much about this stuff, it, it does impact it that you know Harrison Ford. He, I mean, the guy almost detests 
the the fandom around these things. Film. <laughs> in general. Film. In general. But you, you get this sense that he actually detests Star Wars and, and indie. So you kind of like, he can't even play nice for fucking five minutes in an interview and say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm very thankful for that because it made my entire career. <laughs> he sits there and fucking yeah, exactly. seeds about this shit. So it's hard to look at him now <laughs> and just kind of get the same sort of, you know, as we said, these were things we, 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 we were watching at a time when there was a sense of, fucking belief about what was going on on the screen. You didn't know. You were so amazed by this shit, you didn't know what was real and what wasn't. And, you know, you you get older. We've we've spoken before about how I think we kind of identified sort of together that Terminator 2 was the point where we feel like there was nev- we, we were never really going to see anything better, almost, in terms of the mm. the combination of the sort of childhood wonder and the, the just genuine fucking brilliant filmmaking. And Harrison kind of falls in that category as the actor for me. That's really just, you look at him and you go, well, fuck, could you at least just kind of smile for a photo once in a while, <laughs> you cranky old bastard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, enjoy yourself. Yeah, You're just... making millions. <laughs> I mean, I, mean you... I know you're wearing fucking Depends because yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're pooping yourself every day. <laughs> if it wasn't and for... that's hard to stomach. I know that. Harrison, if it wasn't for Star Wars, You'd have been arrested for flying your fucking light plane in front of a bloody, you know, passenger jet, you fucking idiot. But you get away with it because yes. of that. <laughs> so yeah, make that's nice. solo. Give just, him a fucking pass. Just pretend that Indy means something to you. Well, that's it. And, and look, maybe it does. It just doesn't. He doesn't like to share that shit. Yeah. And Harrison came up in an era where we weren't surrounded and saturated by social media or mobiles or any of that shit. So, you know, yeah, he kind of had a – he was allowed to kind of have these roles and we knew who he was and everything, but that was kind of it. Yeah. Speaking of that, I know this is a little, this is a little bit of a tangent, but at the opposite end of the spectrum, someone who uses the social media to make up for the fact that he still doesn't have a classic movie. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that out loud. But the Rock. did you happen to see The Rock during? I think it was last week where he wandered into a Seven Eleven, and he's just gone. No, look, he he goes. He put it on social media and he said, "Look, when I didn't have a lot of money, I used to come in here and steal a Snickers every day. So I want I want to buy every Snickers in the place. So he goes to the fucking. Mm-hmm. He, he get, makes the bloke takes every Snickers, scan them. I think it was about. It was a couple of hundred bucks worth of Snickers. So he buys them and then he says, right. just put them on the counter. Anyone that comes in wants a Snickers, just give it to them. If anyone's, bu- if anyone's coming to steal something, just say, here, take a Snickers. And then he turns around and says to everyone in the store, I've got it. Just put, put what you've got, your gas, your, your fucking whatever you've got in your hand. And some bloke at the back of the store kind of holds back. And... The Rock's there going, what do you got? And he goes, I've got alcohol. And he goes, well, fucking get that up here. Like, I'll buy it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he just bought everyone's petrol and like that. And I'm like, this is why we still love the man because he's kind of the opposite. He's a, he, he seems like a genuinely fucking lovely bloke who appreciates his station in life <laughs> despite the fact that he hasn't Correct. knocked one out of the park on the screen yet. And that's the difference. Harrison's one of these guys who's got multiple classics in his resume, right? Yeah. He's a movie star in the old sense. Yes. 
Exactly. That's a that's a good way to put it. In the era when when a name sold a picture, which doesn't happen anymore. The Rock is really the only one doing it. The Rock and someone mentioned Tom Cruise the other day. <laughs> well, hard to argue when you punch out. It's hard to argue. Especially <laughs> now, Adam, that, uh, the Top Gun's, <laughs> Top Gun's gone back into cinemas for two weeks. Oh, I know. I saw that. I was like, fuck you, greedy prick. <laughs> You know what? I've made... got tickets to see it tomorrow night at the fucking Sunset oh, Cinema. Jesus. You've already made <laughs> so they wrote the me in again for a third viewing. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, look, that was part Cruise, of the reason I, I, I would argue that Cruise is. Up. Is it on there, is it? Yeah, that's where it's going to be streaming. So I was like, oh, shit. Well, 45 bucks for the year. I'll probably make about 25 of that watching uh, Maverick 14 <laughs> times. <laughs> No, look, I would agree Cruz is probably also one of the last because he came from that Harrison Ford era. Yeah. Who's who's still managing to do it successfully. But even with him, there's still the argument to be made that it was a property that somehow got people absolutely buzzing because outside of that, it still really is the only the Mission Impossible films that he's he's doing it on. So Mission Impossible is in the same category for me as Fast and the Furious. And, yeah, it started with Tom Cruise as the sell for that because it was still in the period where it was the movie star selling it. But now you're going for Mission Impossible, not necessarily for Cruise. Maverick, I don't know, maybe it changed that, but I, I dare say. I think it, I think Maverick did change it because, let's be honest, we said that who the fuck wants If I said to you. They're, they're dropping Days of Thunder 2 or they're dropping Top Gun 3 without Tom Cruise, which one are you going to see? Oh, Top Gun 3. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Silly question. Uh, that's not, that's not, this is fucking silly. Um, <laughs> look, look, The Rock, I'll tell you what The Rock knows well. He knows that social media is important to building that brand, but he seems he, – he, seems, for everything I see, like a really good bloke. And that helps. It helps put bums on seats. I think he understands that, hey, I might be having a prick of a day or whatever, but this is actually a job. And it's a job that's fucking paid me really well. And I think he actually kind of uses that mentality to turn shit around. And like, even if he is having a shit day, you're never going to know because he fucking treats everyone really, really well. And it's not only – the thing for him is it's not just for social media. It's the people that work with him seem to say, oh, fuck, he's the nicest yeah. bloke you'll ever meet and all this sort of stuff. And I think part of it is because, like you said, you know, he's, he's, he's got the background of he feels like he, he, he made it from nothing and all this sort of stuff. But I don't know. He just does that shit really well, looks after everyone and, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not telling Harrison what to do. No, neither. But for me, other than stop flying. Oh yeah, your cataracts, mate. They fly, <laughs> did you? <laughs> let's, let's get you out of the air. <laughs> You're the last bloke who should be in a fucking Top Gun sequel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But enjoy yourself. I mean, holy shit! It's the same with Daniel Craig. 
you know, he's fucking waxing lyrical about James Bond and how much he hates it. And I'm like, you get paid $20 million a picture for yeah. that shit. Yeah, suck it up. <laughs> don't, don't, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Like, I'm not saying you have to turn up to and flog things, you know, with the same exuberance as some of these other guys do. Yeah, yeah. Most of us, Daniel, most of us piss and moan for less than 100K, mate. <laughs> so have yeah. some perspective. <laughs> exactly. exactly, mate. Get some perspective on it. Being James Bond was nothing to sneeze at, mate. It was pretty good for you. I think we better cut this off. I mean, we've been rambling for almost 50 minutes. Ugh, well, sorry, I do tend to ramble. I mean, it was good shit. Oh, it's all what? It's... That's is that that's five out of five material. Oh, of course. Side note with regards to the rock, I read that Black Adam's going to lose between fifteen and a hundred million. Yeah, <laughs> shit, mate. We could talk for another twenty minutes on that, but um, you know, I think we talked about it. I I kind of said I kind of said I remember talking to you, and we both again kind of hit this point where I said I really hope it goes more what DC wants to do, and not necessarily the seven bucks productions wants to do. But when you look. You know, the director was from a previous rock movie. When I watched it, I was like, yeah, we're hitting all the same beats. I feel like there was a lot of involvement from Seven Bucks. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I do want to see, as much as I keep saying he doesn't have a classic, I want to see more of The Rock. I want to see his movies, but I really want him to just just absolutely nail an action movie. Hmm. Yeah, true. Also, I believe Avatar, the second Avatar, needs to make about a billion dollars to break even. <laughs> yeah, I heard something that re- I heard more than that. Is that going to happen? The reviews I I heard this morning they they sort of mentioned the first reviews were out. Stellar, Stellar, Stellar reviews. Yeah, Oof. through the roof. Okay, I was saying it. Yeah, you know, better than the original one. It's it's the most technically. Beautiful film you'll see. I don't know. Last time I watched it, I thought, yeah, I thought seven out of ten for the original when we when we first saw it. But maybe I need to go back and check it out again. Yeah, I remember enjoying it, but that was it. I mean, the bloke obviously knows his way around great filmmaking. He does. So, and he's 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 already. This is the thing. This isn't surprising to see him with that much money in his hands. No, do you know what I mean? Titanic, they were saying, was going to be a massive bust. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. So his whole career he's had these pictures where people are saying, oh, well, you know, this won't make any money. You know, it always comes back to what's more important, the art or the the profit. At the end of the day, movies are a business. So if you're looking at a billion to a billion two or a billion three or whatever just to make a profit, at what point do they just say, nah, it's not worth it, you know, the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, look, it'll be interesting. I know that much. Yeah, it will. It could make it. It could make bank. Yeah. Well, it'll get released in China. Yes. Well, yeah. that's a big That's a big thing. They got the tick for China, didn't they? So that's, that's money. That would have been a big player in this whole thing is if you don't get a tick for China... That's a lot of money. You're in the, the box shit, office. Yeah. Suddenly, that's a lot of money in there. So, yep. Interesting. Let's let's keep an eye on that one. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a break. Here's a trailer for 2022's Christmas Bloody Christmas. 
U.S. Defense Department has spent over a trillion dollars on the most cutting-edge robot technology. Introducing RoboSanta Plus for the upcoming holiday season. Were you going to do this fine Christmas Eve? I was potentially going to go meet up with a dude. I've blown him off twice already, so... Come on, get a drink with your old pal, Robbie. <laughs> What's up with you two? I uh, just grabbing a drink. I talk her out of some tender trash. You didn't oh. talk me out of anything. Sick Christmas! Sick Christmas! Ah, humbug. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! New animatronic state-of-the-art Santa Claus featured at our own TW Bonkers is now the subject of an international recall. down at the scene yet. They're still down there counting bodies. Christmas Bloody Christmas from 2022. Written and directed by Joe Bigos, who directed VFW. And it's produced by Joe Bigos and Josh Ethna, Etha, sorry, who produced Bliss. It stars Riley Dandy as Tory Toombs, Sam Delish as Robbie Reynolds, Jonah Ray as Jay, and Dora Madison as Lana. The budget, I didn't know what the budget was. I couldn't find anything on the budget, and it's obviously going direct to Shudder. And there was no trivia either. So we're a bit light on on that, that front. Mm. All right, Jared. I'm going to go first on this one. Yep. It plays like a mix between Silent Night, Deadly Night, and The Terminator. Mm. And it is great fun. I yeah. mean, there is a period of about 25 minutes where it is fucking all happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's just balls to the wall. It's going off left and right. Uh, I loved it for that. It's short. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It lacks a little bit of character and a little bit of plot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of very simple. But overall, I had an absolute blast with it, uh, and I gave it three and a half. Yeah, pretty much exactly what I was thinking. I, I'm at three and a half as well. I heard a little bit of criticism directed at the guy for, I mean, someone compared him to Rob Zombie for the characters, and I was just like, after seeing VFW and seeing this, I'm just like, no, not even close, because this... The first half hour or so, 
it's a little light, as you said, on in terms of the story coming together. But I was just mm. loving the two characters, the two main characters going together. I thought their chemistry was just carrying it through that point. I was having a great time yeah, before yeah, yeah, we yeah, even definitely. got to the, you know, slicing and dicing it. But as you said, there's things that he's taken from the the, the classic slashes. I mean, you can see a little little bit of Halloween in there in the scores and the, the, the POV shots. You can see the Silent Night, Deadly Night. But then, as you said, you get a little bit of Terminator and a little bit of Robocop and stuff like that. And it's fucking great fun. Like, I had a real good time with it. If there was anything that took away from it, I thought it probably lost a little bit of a little bit of steam towards the end. But, yeah, this this guy is someone that, you know, he's, he's hit the point where if I hear his name attached to something, I'm going to check it out. I mean, even after watching VFW immediately when I had the chance to, to grab that on Blu-ray, there was the option to get the single movie or there was the option to get it with Bliss. And I haven't watched Bliss yet, mm. but I was impressed enough with VFW that I, I picked up the double pack. And so now after checking yeah, this one out, I'm even more sort of – I need to pick pick up the pace on that and, and check out Bliss because I'm really impressed with what he's putting together. The whole idea that this sort of these characters had a Rob Zombie-esque feel, I totally disagree. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what they saw. Yeah, there was some bawdy – Talk and a bit of bawdy humour and shit like that. And I, I understand all that, but the characters felt like a little more real, yeah. and I didn't feel like they were kind of disgusting human beings. No, that's this right. And I was going to say exactly. When I watched a Rob Zombie movie. I was going to say exactly the same thing. The only thing that I could I could place someone saying that in is the, the the language which I mean if you say fuck that's not gonna that's not gonna bother me. You can say that as many times as you want. You can say shit. You can make a few kind of off colour gags. It's not that that bothers me about Rob Zombie. It's that everyone is written like that and poorly written and as you said, they go to extremes where it's just like, okay, we're not we're we're beyond realistic now. Not everyone is like this. Whereas these yeah. guys Man, they were still in the realms of people that I've I've fucking conversed with. So, yeah, correct. I'm, I'm okay with that. So straight out of the gate, I thought the acting was solid. No real standouts for me, but everyone does a decent job. Yeah, um, it's a small cast, so that probably helps. Yep, you don't sort of end up with that that many kind of loose characters. No so to speak. So there's really only probably about three or four characters that we really get to know in any sort of capacity. Mm-hmm. But acting-wise, they're, they're all very solid. Yep, I would agree. I've got one particular one to mention too is uh, the sheriff, Rob Zombie's mate. What's his name? Jeff Daniels, is it? But anyway, he plays the sheriff. Not sure. And he's he's in all of Rob Zombie's movies. He played Herman Munster in that. He was in Halloween 2, I think. He was in 3 from Hell. He's actually a really good actor, but I haven't seen him in a lot yeah. outside of Rob Zombie, and I've been waiting. I've been looking forward to see it, and I wasn't really let down. I think his role is pretty small, but definitely when he rolls into the bar in the first, um, you know, when, when the two characters are really sort of vibing and whatever, and then he rolls in, it definitely affects the scene. Like it, everything's on a high, and then he comes in and just cuts into it. And they're all doing a really good job. Mm. And I just looked at it and thought, yeah, this is what I've been waiting to see. Just get out of Rob Zombie's kind of territory, do some other stuff. 
in this realm, and I'm 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 on board because I think he's a really good actor. But yeah, as you said, I think I think the whole cast in general is at the level where it's all it's all it's all working pretty well. Yeah, the FX and the gore are impressive across the board. Yeah, definitely, especially when you can tell that it's on a pretty small budget. Hmm. Yeah, especially I actually really like the. Uh, the stuff that they did with the with the Santa. I know we're trying to kind of go a little light on the spoilers, but when it's on the poster, it's not really a, a surprise that, you know, as the movie goes along, the, the Santa kind of degrades a little bit and starts showing a bit more of the robotic yeah. features. I think, you know, not necessarily when it gets to the final form, but kind of midway when you see a little more of the, the Christmas lights, colours coming out of the body and shit like that. I was loving that. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of that worked. Plus... I mean, when someone gets killed, shit flies everywhere. Blood flies everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, blokes are getting their heads blown off and cut off. And I mean, oh, as I said, there's a 25 minute stretch where it is just blood and viscera everywhere. Yeah. And there's this thing, you know, the, the thing about a director like Joe Begos is. is some people would criticise it for, for him being very derivative, but I'm more in the camp of he's doing shit that we don't get anymore. Like, he's purposely mm. trying to reference movies and, and people we don't, we don't see as much anymore. So the practical effects and the, the real slasher movie kind of mentality, uh, and I just love it. I, 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 can yeah. see, I can see why people might say, well, this is stuff we've seen before, but I'm also in the camp of, yeah, but we're not really seeing it as much anymore in that classic sort of just down-the-line slasher sort of stuff. And then when you throw in a little bit of Terminator, well, shit, you've, you've even got me more excited. Yeah, I totally agree there. The opening advertisements, piss funny. Yeah, really good, really good. They hit on a lot of different things. I was like- a big fan of the grog ad for the whole family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Which I thought was piss funny. And then I love the fact that we get the Robo Santa yes. advert. Yep. Which sets the tone as to what we're dealing with. But then I love the fact that he they're replacing degenerate mall Santas everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I felt like that was a nice little dig to, not a dig, but a nice little nod to the Silent Night, Deadly Nights, which, I mean, there's a reason people like you and I still go back to that. Not because we're idiots, but I mean that's true. But also because oh, we're that's... we're lacking some of that stuff now. So to, for him to kind of basically point out, yeah, this is the movie that we're going for, or one of the movies that we're a- aiming for. But we're just kind of mentioned that we're in the in the modern day. We're bringing it back for the audiences that want to see it. I love that. Yeah, so do I. You talked about the the relationship between Robbie and Tori. The opening sequence where they're in the store together. Mm-hmm. The bar. There's a cool vibe. There's some snappy dialogue. You know, they do a little bit of a enough to give us a little bit of character development. Nothing too overt, but enough to keep you interested in these people. Yes. And then on top of that, you've, you've got the two actors who are doing a good job. I felt that through the first 20 minutes to half hour, that was the best thing because we, we really hadn't built up to the Santa being involved in much at all. But I was yeah. just I was in, I was in 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 what in the conversation between the two characters. I really liked it. 
Yeah, I think they nailed that. I actually think they nailed the kind of, how do I put it? They were kind of like slightly on the fringes. You know what I mean? Yep. In a sense of who they were. They were not your standard characters. Yes. They had some quirks and some eccentricities, and I think that they they did a really good job of sort of teasing that out. But it also felt like the dialogue was just almost – they were almost told where to go with it, but just just get there yourselves. Just talk. Just talk and we'll get to the the big points. And I think that's where – I think it was only one or two places where I I read a little bit about it and saw – the comparisons to Rob Zombie, and I just kept thinking to myself, no, this is what Rob Zombie's trying to do, but it just always makes it feel so detached from normal people. Whereas this one, yeah. Joe Bigos, I mean, he's doing it right. He's doing what Rob Zombie is, I think, is trying to do, and and I think it's it's better. So, yeah, that's that's where I landed yeah, with I that. I, I actually really enjoyed both of the both of the two characters there, and I think. Am I mistaken? Robbie's Robbie's Australian, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, I think so. I think oh. he's he's an Australian actor. Okay. What do we think? Do you think he was on Home and Away, Neighbours, Stingers, <laughs> Water Rats? Uh, where, where, where's he from? I reckon later, later days. Hang on, hang on. Echo Point. Echo no? Point. No, even later, mate. He's young. Um, he's young. So it'd have to He's be on Home and Away, I was going to say, yeah, it's Home and Away or it's a dumb reality show that Channel 10's playing. And as you mentioned the other day, who would care if Channel 10 didn't exist anymore, really? <laughs> Not me. Well, I said this to you the other day. If you turn Channel 7 off right now, there'd be no uproar. <laughs> no, no one would notice. <laughs> no, nobody would give a shit. Oh, look, I don't want to be, I don't want to come across as too callous or crude, but I mean, the nursing homes around Australia would be rioting, but other than that, I don't think anyone would give a shit. Sorry, yeah, they'd be throwing their bedpans and all sorts of shit. Yep. Uh, Okay, okay, I've got brought him up. Yep. He hasn't got a long resume. It does look like he is, yes, an Australian. Mm -hmm. Let's have a quick look. uh, I'll tell you where he's at. He was on RFDS. Yeah, right. Raw Flying Doctor Service. Oh, Adam, I see, four one, episodes. I see one episode on Home and Away. Oh, yeah. Does that see, count? I picked, you, I picked it like... Does that count? I we get picked a it like there. a broken nose, Jared. <laughs> yeah. From that standpoint, that stuff's all great. I like this little quick news report that says that they're recalling those Santas because of their um, Defence Department firmware. I like that. It was a nice little touch to show us, okay, this is why he's gone bloody rogue. Like, we we sort of mentioned that it, there, there wasn't much going on in terms of, like, the story, but there was also, there didn't need to be a whole lot going on. Like, the, 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 the way they played it, it was just like, yeah, we're just going to throw this out there. We're not going to go too deep into the explanations. So you just kind of like, okay, well, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll, we understand that it's a, it's a film that's really kind of, referencing some other stuff that we love and just placing itself as, hey, here's one to yeah. enjoy for this holiday season and maybe down the track. So we take that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Use of the POV when Santa initially goes haywire and sort of roams the 
the store, gets the fire axe, comes back, you know, and every time he moves around, you hear that, like the robotic movements. I thought that was really, really cool. I love the shot of him when you first actually see Santa fully. Mm -hmm. It's in the glass of the fire axe cabinet. Just see him for a second there in his full, and then then it turns back to the POV again. I thought that was really, really good. Splitting a bloke in half with an axe. (laughs) Yeah, that was outstanding. In the middle of being intimate. Is that fair to say? Fair to say, and especially because they were still working with the POV, the the whole, as we said, a little bit of, I love that because I got a little bit of Michael Myers, but they did it so much that you started to get to Robocop territory. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I dug that. I thought it was really cool. And as you said, the, the, the effects in that particular point really hit the mark. I'm not sure the, the yeah. actress involved in the scene would have felt the same, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Getting fucking bashed around in that in the glass cabinets and stuff. Yeah, yep. I also loved, and, and it started, like, talking about all this stuff at this point in the movie, the film is just, like, neon-soaked, which there was a little bit of that in VFW, if I recall correctly, but I think yes. in this it fits perfectly because it's all the Christmas light colours and it evokes the whole feeling of, you know, Christmas lights up on the neighbour's place, Christmas lights up in town, like... I thought it fit really well here. I thought, obviously going for a style, but it's it's of it's of the season, and it's something that 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 certainly doesn't doesn't feel out of place. Yeah, definitely. I think he does a really good job there and creates a an interesting look to the film. Yeah, and he also does. I he noticed, also directs pretty well. Yeah, he does, and I also noticed like when he does it early on in this sort of dingy club sort of setup. It sort of crosses over with the Christmassy vibe of the toy store and the house and, and all that sort of stuff. And I thought to myself, well, he might be actually going for something there that it's kind of, you know, he's a little bit of this sort of Christmas commercialism and all that sort of stuff, not too far removed from just, you know, the dingy nature of trying to make a buck in the in the club and stuff like that. So I, I actually really like that. Yeah. My next half a dozen likes are all in this 25-minute sequence where he he finally they realise this Santa is killing people next door. Yes. And then he comes over to their place, and it's just on for young and old. It's I mean, mayhem. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is absolute mayhem. Like, he twists his, the, her sister's head off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, probably, it probably kicks off even prior to the, the, the family beforehand, the dad on the stairs and then... Yeah, yeah, as you said, the with sister. With the axe in his back and then the kid. So we're going into. Chops the kid up. We're going into a little bit of spoiler territory now. And we're, we're, you know, assuming this is going to be out just as the movie hits. So just make sure you've watched the movie and then listen to us straight away. That's exactly what we want. So, yeah. Yeah, but you're right. That, that next, the next sort of 20 odd from that point, it's just mayhem. But there's also, as you kind of pointed out, moments of really neat little direction in there and. Yeah, I, I think this yeah. was this was one of the best sort of pockets of the film for sure. Everything was a set piece that kept sort of building upon the previous one. Yeah, and I mean the gore by the end of it is just outrageous. <laughs> this one bloke he gets his head split in half, and then he gets shoved through the windscreen of the car. 
Yeah, that was that scene was bonkers. Blood but I also going everywhere in the car. Oh, but I also loved in that whole sequence. Like you've got prior to that happening, there's this really neat shot of him walking up behind, and it reminded me a little bit of classic slasher, like Michael Myers coming out of the shadows, but he achieves it by shooting through the foggy windscreen. And you know it's kind of going to happen, yeah. but then you get this moment where the Santa just kind of steps out of nowhere, and it's 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 all achieved by the windscreen being a little fogged up and that sort of stuff. Yeah, really liked it, really enjoyed it. And as yeah. you said, from that point, he ups it a notch to... <laughs> and I think that was Joe Vigos, wasn't it, that got, got shoved through the windscreen? Wasn't he the he yeah, was the, so. he was the town drunk or the, or the local drunk that was pissing and moaning about his ranchero getting destroyed? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. We then sort of slow, and I did I did actually like that because you kind of ramp this thing up to the absolute kills. Mm-hmm. But then you, you 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 come back down off the precipice a little bit. Yep. Right. Yep. So you put her in the police station. Yes. And you slow everything down for a second and you kind of build those two police officers a little bit more as characters. Yep. Then Santa reappears. Yep. And again, you go into another kind of 20 minutes of mayhem. Yeah. It's, all, it's balls to the wall from that point as well. You actually, uh, you actually skip past one of my favourite parts, which was... Yeah. In that, in amongst that that initial kind of burst of mayhem, the section where she's arguing with the cop about whether he shot him or not, and all that sort of stuff. And again, yeah. it's just one long shot where we're looking through the windscreen, so it gives the chance for the Santa to do the, the whole Terminator act of to sit up, sit and, up, yeah. and walk towards. Just good stuff. Again, nothing we yeah. haven't seen before, but just really welcome stuff in this in this movie and um again credit to joe begos as you said he, he directs it pretty well and he directs it in a fashion where the two characters are, are so kind of frantic that you kind of just like come on come on turn around he's right there even though yes we're a, we're an audience that has seen this shit a, you know a hundred million times that we're not kind of necessarily sitting on the edge of our seat but we're in that kind of mode, like the, the the people like us who have watched a lot of this stuff are in, where you you get about as much as you you want to get out of that stuff. It's interesting to look at it this way too. For mine, is that first burst of mayhem is pure horror film. You know, it's it's slasher movie written all over it, right? But the second burst of mayhem at the police station is harks back to Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Yeah. Or an action film yeah. like The Terminator. Absolutely. You know, and in fact, you could say that that's kind of a nod to The Terminator. Yep. Where he comes into the police station and she's hiding under the under the desks and he's flipping the desks over mm-hmm. looking for her. That was an awesome sequence and she's trying to load the shotgun in quietly. Like, it's a really, really well done scene. Yeah. It actually packs a little bit of tension into it. Yep. Definitely. But that... Sequence of mayhem is is like an action picture, so it's almost like split. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. It's it is kind of one to the other, right? Yeah, and I think it works perfectly for that. You get your horror fans in with your slasher movie sort of vibe, but then 
you, you pivot a little bit and you go for the Terminator. And, you know, I mean, it's never been, it's, the, the Terminator is never more prevalent in the way the, the Santa just begins to deject, break down because it's been smashed up and blown up and done all that. Yeah. And it starts to even look a bit like the Terminator. It does. And the whole, I thought exactly the same thing. Going into spoilers again a little bit, so skip, a, skip if you want to, but when it just doesn't stop. You know, that was very much Terminator. Yeah. And, you know, it actually comes to one of my dislikes just slightly. Yep. Same. In the end. Yep. But I found that that period sort of caps the film off nicely. It's the immovable object versus, you know, the unstoppable force. It's this showdown between the two of them. Yeah, right. You know, it is purely action packed. And I think it works out really nicely. Yeah, I would agree. I think it does. That's kind of it for me, likes wise. I mean, I could split those two sequences up into bits that I really liked or I didn't like. But yeah. I felt kind of as a whole, both of them were really well done. Yeah, same. You know, in general, obviously, this is a new movie, and so we don't necessarily want to go too deep into it if you haven't checked it out. But yeah, I would agree. I love the fact that it really kind of it, it it sort of balanced between the two genres as as much as it could, and I would agree that you know we're, we're talking moving into the dislikes shortly, but that that also brings a, brings about a, a couple of minor issues towards the end. Yeah, my last last One. like Adam was again spoiler territory. If you haven't watched it, skip thirty seconds or so, but. When they actually, when they kill Robbie, I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Because they had established so much based on those two characters and not much else that I was just completely shocked because I felt there's no way you can get rid of one of these two now because they've just established everything based on those two. And he kind of threw that out the window and in the moment, absolutely loved it. I think down the stretch, it probably moves towards the things that didn't work, but in the moment, I was taken taken back by it. I, like I, I didn't I didn't expect it at all. Yeah, but I also I think one of the things I actually did like about that too is it wasn't it then wasn't used as a an emotional thing or something for her. No, it's not like she she cried or you know back at the police station or anything. No, when she gets no. back to the police station. She's fucking babbling and she's frantic and everything. Yeah. And she, the last thing on her mind is what happened to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So I really like the fact that, and people might say glossed over, but it's kind of, you know, I mean, they that they were employee, employer. They, yeah, okay, they slept together or. Well, a little bit of cunnilingus. Yeah, we didn't quite get se- the whole job done. Really, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. The full job was not complete. <laughs> the slab was put in. <laughs> The foundations were laid, <laughs> you could say. The foundations were laid. But I just like the fact that they're, because, you know, they weren't super tight. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, they weren't, like, boyfriend, girlfriend, or yeah. super, super tight. Yeah. They obviously got on all right, but it, beyond that, that was it. So I really like that kind of thing. She just, she, that, that was not to worry about now. What was to worry about was a fucking... Robotic Santa that's loose. Yeah, yeah. I think that was, as you said, the big thing was it was just in the moment, right? Like, like that worked. 
So yeah, definitely came under the under the likes category for me in the in the long run. Yeah, and I thought well handled. Into the dislikes, mate. Mm-hmm. Not many. Not many, no, not many at all. It's possibly a little bit too simple. I mean, there, there, there is not a lot of subplots or shades or, or, or anything else about it. No. Uh, not a lot of explanation about the robotic Santa. Yeah, I, I would um, which agree. Which is fine by me in a way, but it's also like it's just, you know, this thing just suddenly goes burko and starts killing everyone. <laughs> Yeah, there's points where, and I, I guess it, for me, I guess it had to go slightly one one direction, and it was either explain the Santa just a little bit more, or keep the character character work going. So if you're gonna spoilers again, if you're gonna get rid of Robbie, then someone else needs to be more than just in for a blink of an eye and and getting killed off. I thought that's where the sheriff yeah. was going to come in because of the initial scene with him in the bar, which I thought was really solid. I thought there was going to be a little more down the track, but when we got him back, it again just turned into a couple of minutes before all that all that goes pear-shaped. So, yeah, I would agree. I think something needed to be stretched out a little more or, alternatively, don't kill Robbie. It's one of the, one of those... Yeah. One of those things that probably I felt needed to happen. I think he was trying to shake you up yeah. and throw you a curveball, which was Robbie's death. Yep. But I actually think for once, because I'm a big fan of shaking, you know, shaking things up and killing key characters. Yeah, shake me up know, all you want. Random, so we never know. But in this case, I actually think it was a mistake. Yeah. Because I felt like what he established that was really to really hold on to was actually the relationship rather than either of the two characters. Yes, correct. And I felt like you needed you needed her to bounce off someone. Yeah, definitely. In that last twenty minutes, definitely. And we just didn't have it. That's what I felt. And too. that's not a knock on her performance. I thought her performance was still strong. Yeah, you know, she's still. But I bought the fact that she could do a Sarah Connor. Yeah, so did you know, I. I, um, bought, I bought in. But on the only, that. as you mentioned, the only problem was that all we got was her kind of screaming and trying to trying to find a way out of this without anyone to to kind of go off. Which, yeah, I, I think yeah. would have been helpful down the stretch there, because I guess when you're coming down to sort of classic sort of filmmaking and writing and whatever it takes away any any stakes other than just survival which is okay like survival exactly. is obviously the, the 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 key point here but in terms of the drama that it brings and the, and the the issue is the last 20 minutes that's that's the only thing that is at stake and so it means that any dialogue any anything else doesn't we have, we've got none of it, so that that's that's a that is it turns into a bit of an issue, just just a little bit. It didn't dull my enjoyment too much, but I felt like if you wanted to no. really kind of push yourself up into the the categories of the real sort of classics that we're going to continue to go back to, 
you kind of had to have that. And I'm not saying I, I will watch this movie again, no doubt. But it'll probably be, you know, maybe maybe not next year, but maybe a couple of years down the track, I'll say, yeah, I remember that one. That was pretty cool. I'll go back go back to it. But it probably falls short of essential. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. The opening is a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. And I, like you, felt the dialogue and that sort of stuff was good. But I did feel a slight drag roughly around that half-hour mark because the Santa had yet to sort of come into play. Yeah. And it was stuck. It was with those two characters, and then it, it just – Everything was going well, and they just kind of started to show a little bit of drag because I was kind of like, "Well, where's this Santa that we?" Yeah, just know, just a just a touch that we, we we're expecting. Yeah, just a little bit of a. Piece. Not greatly because Santa then cuts loose like an asshole and starts <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. up, and, and I was suddenly back on board, you know. And we also decide to unleash Santa in the middle of when we're unleashing other things uh, between the two characters. Which kind of work actually works pretty well, kind of cutting back and forth. Yeah, but it Adam, does. I, I've got one slight, you know, as I said, I love the relationship between the two of them early on, but the same, same as you said, it kind of maybe it goes a, a little too long before we get something more in there. But I tell you, my biggest problem is, I mean, if I'm in that, if I'm in that situation, I'm thinking this is going brilliantly. This is going great. She loves horror movies. This is fantastic. At the point where she says Freddy's Dead is the best Elm Street movie, I'm thinking, oh, oh shit, is that the time? I'm not judgmental. I mean, I, I don't like to judge people for their choices, but if that's what you're throwing out, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this isn't going to work. Freddy's Dead. <laughs> I'm not sure who's putting that out there as the best Elm Street movie. Well, she also said that Blair Witch 2 was better than Blair Witch. Yes, and I think that was... Uh, I don't know. It was kind of funny. And I funny. think she said Pet Cemetery 2. Pet Cemetery 2. Look, I, I, I could hear your argument there because Pet Cemetery 2 is pretty good. But, yeah, look, I'm not sure about Freddy's Dead and Book of Shadows. I mean, shit, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even like the original Blair Witch, but it's ten times as good as fucking <laughs> Book of Shadows. It's horrendous. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're putting together. What are you on? I know you've been smoking weed all night, but you could not have possibly smoked enough yeah, to yeah. have told me that Book of Shadows was better. But even then, when you when you're talking about, you know, when you say Freddy's Dead's better, hear me out, or Book of Shadows is better, hear me out, I say I got struck from the jury. I'm not the man to hear this because this is bullshit. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you tell me, Jared, at least tell me Elm Street 5. I'll yeah, listen. I'll hear that. I'll, I'll listen to the Elm Street 5 argument. I'll com- completely strike you down. <laughs> Correct. I'll completely railroad you when it, during that. But, but I'm, I'm willing to listen. You cannot tell me that anybody has ever said, Jared, nobody has ever said Freddy Stead's the best Nightmare on Elm Street film. No one. I would hope not. I would really hope not. <laughs> Like, unless the director said it. I mean, That's it. <laughs> I sit here Can't thinking to myself, I mean, if I'm trying to make a new friend, what's one of the first things they can say to me that'll get me in? It's like, I love Elm Street movies. I'm thinking, fuck, me and you should spend some time together. When they say, Freddy's Dead is the best, I'm thinking, shit, I cannot get further away from you at this point. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and you should stop talking about it right <laughs> yeah, now. Yep. <laughs> Look, 
I will I will bring up a slight dislike to that particular sequence. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of the the musical nods and the and the horror film nods. Yep. That were in it. Yep. But I felt there were, at that at that particular point. I, it felt like it was being shoehorned in a little bit. It does. It does go a touch like we were getting, too long. We were getting it kind of shoved down our throat a little bit. And I think it I comes was kind of like it doesn't feel as natural now. No, that's right. And I think it comes back to what you said about it's purposely light on some of this other stuff, but in the long run, that does eventually hurt it because, as you said, that that starts to feel unnatural. Because I mean, part of the reason at the start. I was thinking these guys seem to have worked together for so long and seem to be really tight. So why hasn't this some of this stuff happened before? You know, and I get the kind of you know, oh she she runs. Are you, are you she talking the about the bingo, Jared? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> are you talking about the bingo? Or? <laughs> I'm not talking about a little you, you bit of bingo. The, the bingo <laughs> should have happened before. <laughs> I'm more talking about look. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying the bingo has to happen on day one. You're telling me that a game of bingo should have happened months before. Probably not. I'm saying, you know, bingo might take a little bit of, little bit of time, especially if it's an employer-employee relationship, perhaps never if, it's, if that's the case. But, yeah. but what I am saying is, you know, I've worked with people for, I don't know, a couple of weeks before it's come out. Oh, yeah, I don't mind watching scary movies either. Like, not <laughs> it doesn't take years probably yeah, to get yeah. to that point. But especially when it seems to be only two two people that work in the fucking place. But anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. You'd think that there would have been some discussions about that. Correct. At some point. Yeah, yeah. But So, I yeah, mean, I, I agree. It does feel a little bit shoehorned as it goes along. Yeah. But because, as you say, they feel really close as employee employer. Yeah, they seem like a pretty good relationship. So why are they only talking about this now? Yeah, they seem pretty close. So perhaps you know, I don't know. A year ago, someone should have called Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it seemed like seemed like she was not really a Bingo enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly with him <laughs> until that night. <laughs> well. It seemed like you know his words were prophetic that she absolutely she really enjoyed bingo when they were playing together previously. Oh yeah, yeah. he was a bingo. To, he was a bingo else, master. I yeah, think, nobody bingo. else seemed to know the rules of bingo according to her. But anyway, like yeah. that's sort of. But yeah, that's it's a product of what we spoke about before. Some of the stuff we really liked kind of turns in on itself a little bit, and and that goes again with Robbie, and and the way that that goes down. And messing with expectations, loved it for a moment in the film. But I think from that point on is where, I mean, essentially the next five minutes or so after that are still really, really good. And the finale, I would even say, I would, I would even say, was enjoyable enough. But I felt the wind came out of the, the sails a little bit because, as you mentioned, we lose people to to bounce off. We lose more than one person to to go along with. We're not striking sparks of each other, and that's what no. we were doing before. No. So that's suddenly right. that's gone, and we don't have anyone. She, she then gets nothing to work with because there is only a robotic Santa. Yeah, that's right. Because everyone else is just filleted. Yep. And as uh, again, coming back to the things where 
it works initially to not really explain much about the Santa. Well, we don't know anything about what to do with it either. I mean, when you when you go with Terminator, Kyle Reese had a little bit of knowledge about how we deal with it, which is is pretty important yeah. down the stretch. This one, it just felt like we're just we're just doing what we think might work, and that comes. To my last dislike is that I think it probably keeps going for too long. That it, it yeah you, exactly. You, we seem to try to stop it about five times, and it just doesn't stop. Yeah, and I agree. I, I I didn't I didn't like the last couple. Well, no, it's not that I didn't like them. I just kind of felt like, good lord, like I understand this thing is extremely strong and what have you, but mm. bloody hell. Yep. I mean, she has done everything, that thrown everything but the kitchen sink at him. Yeah, exactly. And I think, for me, it comes back to, I've always had a kind of idea about this sort of stuff where if you're not going to, you, if you want to not explain things much, I'm, I'm okay with that. I will go with it in most instances. Oftentimes yeah. it is the genre films that just have this monster or some some you know, being that you don't want to explain. You just want it to be the unstoppable force. But if you're going to do that, maybe 80 to 85 is your length because we start to run out of things we can do, I feel like, in most cases. This was only, I think, 85 or 87 minutes, but I think it's it feels like it's five minutes too long, which... It's difficult to say about a movie that, that short and that lean because it's lean. I think it was a bit longer. I think it was about 95. Was it? Yeah. Was it 95? I thought it was oh, 87. 80, 80. Yeah, yeah, it was probably closer to, closer to 90. Yeah, no, you're right. But I've... It's super lean, but it still feels five minutes too long. Yeah, I think you're right. Because all you've got is two characters left, one of them who doesn't speak or one of them who's a robot. And the other one, who's our protagonist, who has nobody to talk to, so all she does, as you said, is scream and yell whilst trying to kill this unstoppable machine who takes four different goes at it. Yeah, that's right. And I don't know about you, Jared, but I was getting tired of it. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I agree. I mean, you've probably just touched on something that I didn't really think of there, but if you are going to go that full length, if you are going to... Um, if you are going to going to go that full length of that runtime, perhaps just keep the action going without necessarily stopping the thing because it feels like it it feels like she has stopped it three three times, three to four times by the time we wrap things up. Yeah. In different ways. So I don't know. That I don't know whether it comes down to you know, as we said, I don't know whether it comes down to maybe just sticking with a little more of the character work that would have carried that extra few minutes through or just just wrap it up a little earlier, one of the two. Yeah. I mean, I think there were points where we could have turned, we could have stopped him and and nobody would have been upset but no, that's you're right. how he got stopped. Yep. I mean, I even come back to when she blows him up out, she lights the, the ambulance. Yeah, that's fire. right. I mean, if it's just a, if it's if it's if it's just an animatronic that's just you know out in your department stores, 
What are we doing? It's, uh, is, is it really going to survive well, I that? Guess the Terminator got blown up and then just came out as the exoskeleton. Because I tell you what, mate, if it's any, anything like the animatronics we buy for Halloween and that sort of shit, I mean, a bit, little bit of rain will fuck that thing up for good. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My werewolf's fucking useless when it gets a bit wet. <laughs> it's not going to go on a bloody killing spree. I know that, but Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. Is that all you had? Yeah, pretty much. I think overall, I really enjoyed it. And I must say, I've got to eat a little bit of crow because I've been jumping on Shutter a little bit. And I'm still a little bit annoyed with, you know, how long it takes for us to get something like Joe Bob stuff when we really, I still don't see a reason why we shouldn't get it at the same time if you if you can give it to us without yeah. the movie. But I've got to give Shutter a bit of credit for the films that they're, they're putting up because they seem to be actually hitting the mark with the originals and the exclusives. There's some really good stuff on there yeah. that is, is probably worth a bit of time. So, I mean, if we could get Joe Bob... Yeah, I would agree. If we could get Joe Bob from Halloween 2019 before Halloween 2022, I would be fucking loving it. But, yeah, i got to yes. give him credit for the exclusives and the originals that we do get here in a, in a pretty good amount of time because they, they work out pretty well. Yeah, I would agree. I think they've they've done a pretty good job to pick up some decent product recently, and this is no different. Now, this is a really a good sort of Yuletide horror picture, mm-hmm. and I was I was very happy. So that is Christmas, bloody Christmas. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia, on Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com, and on Instagram at thrillmepodcastau. Keep an eye on our Facebook page for details of the next film we cover. But until then, take it easy, everyone, and we'll catch you all later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.